All right, this week we've got a very interesting passage, three passages. Very interesting. One of them has to do with giving. And today is Giving Tuesday. And of course, as Aaron told you, we are going to direct our offerings to CAS, Christian Arabic Services. There's over 750 churches there in Egypt. There are three. I just, we were just there several weeks ago. There are three more. Uh, that are starting the process, and one more that's a negotiation for land. God is really pouring out his spirit in Egypt, and we are needing to take advantage of it. So I want to thank you in advance for your faithful giving. And I've talked to several people. If you're looking for a ministry to support monthly, if you will call the office, make an appointment with me, I'd like to sit down and, and show you how you can make a difference in the life of a country, okay? All right, commercial's over. Get out your copy of Scripture, okay? We're in the book of Mark. We're going to look at three passages in the 12th chapter. Let's set the scenario. This is on Wednesday before Christ uh, is taken to the cross. He has made his triumphal entry. The thousands of people have proclaimed him as Messiah. And as we saw last week, the scribes, the Pharisees, and Herodians on this day made another run at Jesus, not to argue with him, but to try to discredit him in front of the people because they were afraid of the people. And as we saw the last time, they, he asked them things like, is it, is it lawful to pay taxes? Uh, how about marriage and the resurrection? Uh, what is the greatest commandment? They were trying desperately to discredit Jesus in the eyes of the people. And now as we close out Wednesday, we three, see three passages of Scripture, and one in particular... It's the one in the middle of the two that we're going to see. What is it talking about? In order to understand Scripture, always remember this. Context, context, context. That's how you understand Scripture. Second thing you need to understand is Scripture is the greatest commentary on Scripture. When you read something in Scripture, you can search and find something else about the same thing. So in the Bible, we see subjects, and as we go through the Bible, we see how it's clarified in order to be able to understand. So that's what we're going to look at. We're on Wednesday. Let's, uh, let's bring up our Scriptures. The first one is Mark 12, 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money in. All right, Jesus, off of the treasury, actually the treasury place were 12 different trumpet-like uh, carriers, for the lack of a better word, trumpet-like buckets. And people would go in there and put their offering in. And, and Jesus is just kind of sitting 
he, he's really had, I think he was resting and I think he was making observations. He was watching them put their money in to the temple treasury. Many rich, rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I say, tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put everything that she had in it in order to live on. That is the picture of the widow. Now, I'm sure you, like myself, have heard hundreds of messages on the widow and her offering. And to me, the majority that I have heard are not looking at the context of what this, what this is, this observation is about. And, and we'll talk about it in the morning first. Now let's go back and see before the Jesus observed this widow, Jesus gave a warning and he said this. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. He's saying, watch out, guys. These are the people, the teachers, the scribes, that were highly respected. In fact, in the Mishnah, which is a oral commentary written down about the teachings of the law, it makes a statement that says the Mishnah, the teachings of the scribes, are better than the Torah. They're saying this, these, this Mishnah, the scribes' teaching, is much better than the Bible itself. Jesus is saying, watch out for these teachers. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace. And they have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. Key phrase. For a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most servilely. So before Jesus observes the widow and her offering, Jesus has given them a warning about the scribes. And what he's talking about basically is how they do Religion, how the religious, what the religious uh, market are, or what they do. What does this look like? And he's given a pretty severe warning on it. Now, following the widow's uh, offering in the 13th chapter, verses 1 and 2, we have this observation, okay? As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone will be here left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, do you see the context of where Jesus observing a widow's offering is placed between a warning and a prophetic warning. I looked in the, up in the Bible because of, 
I was very interested. You know, we live in a day when I'm just going to call it overall church world, what people think church world ought to be like. And, and what we feel like is we got to love and we got to be unified no matter what teachers teach. It's like, oh, now I know maybe they're not quite right, but we have, for the sake of unity, we need to love, we need to have tolerance. And so when Jesus made this statement about watch out for the scribes, I decided to see what the Bible writers, the men that wrote the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how did they handle people, teachers, that, like Jesus said, you need to watch out for. Now, these are graphic, okay? But this is what the Bible says. And if you doubt it, you come, and I'll sit down with you and show you every place in the Scriptures. They denounced them with great graphic descriptions. The false teachers were called blind men, mute dogs unable to bark, dreamers who love to sleep, demented fools, Reckless, treacherous men, ravenous wolves, blind guides of the blind, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs full of bones, serpents, brood of vipers, thieves and robbers, savage wolves, fools, slave of their own appetite, hucksters, peddling the word of God, false prophets, deceitful workers, servants of Satan, purveyors of a different gospel, dogs, evil workers, enemies of the cross, conceited and knowing nothing, men of deprived minds, men who have gone astray from the truth, captives of the devils, deceivers, ungodly person, and unreasonable reasonable animals. Did you get the picture? But yet we today are being taught don't worry about it. Just pray for them. And you got to love them anyway. I want you to know that false teachers beget a false following. Okay? If You know, we have an old worldly saying that says, one bad apple will spoil the whole barrel. That's before, back when we had apples and barrels. But today, I want you to know that all of this false teaching that's going on in the world is corrupting the religious system. And this is what Jesus' observation of this widow's offering is all about. Because here's what he saw. He saw a widow giving the least amount, value of money, all she had, putting it in an offering... And Jesus was making a condemning statement, not once, but twice, about a religion that would cause a a poor woman who had no one to look out for her to think that in order for her to be blessed, she has to put all she has to live on. Now, that's not far from what we have today from these clowns that are trying to buy new airplanes uh, that are sporting diamond rings and spouting out philosophies that are sending people directly to hell. Those are not people I love. Those are people that need to be denounced because they create 
a false environment with false belief and people listen. They feel good about what is being said. And when they stand before God, they're condemned to hell. That needs to be stayed away from. You see, here's the thing. There's not really an agreement about all the commentators on what this widow's passage is about. Uh, giving is not measured by the amount you give. Okay? Uh, giving is not measured by a percentage given. Giving is measured, not measured by simply the attitude of giving. These are the things that Jesus did not comment on. Neither did he draw any principles from her giving. He didn't condemn the rich people, nor did he praise the widow. He made an observation. This widow put everything in. Jesus made no comment on her attitude or her spirit of giving. And the disciples were not instructed to follow her directions. Do you see how we can go wrong with a passage of Scripture? All this sounds good. But you remember when Jesus said, be careful of the scribes who devour widows' homes? We need to understand that what happens when a widow got to where she could not support herself, she was forced to sell her property. Something that had been given by her husband. The only thing that she had and owned. And she was forced to sell that. And history records that they did not give her top dollar. She was put at the mercy of those who were supposed to love her. Is this something new? Uh, I found this and I'm going to read it from a Bible, guys. I thought about this after uh, uh, I, I had... Put together my outline. Do you remember when the disciples said to Jesus, man, look at these temples. Look at these massive stones. I found another place. And Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, talking about a false, worthless religion, this passage. It says this. Do not trust in deceptive words that say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. What this is saying here and in this Mark passage, that people look at this huge temple complex and they marvel at it's beautiful. And the worth of the religion in their mind is the beauty and the massiveness of this temple. Well, here's what Jeremiah said. If you really change your ways and actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed blood in this place, if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are distrusting in deceptive words that are Worthless. You've got to be careful of deceptive words. Words taken out of context to try to move someone to certain actions. We have the power of the Word of God as truth personified, and we have the Spirit of God that leads us. Now I know I see some confused looks out there. <laughs> 
You're saying, preacher, that's a different message than I thought I was going to hear on Giving Tuesday. Are you saying we are not to give? Now, what preacher in their right mind would say that? Huh? I mean, not not because we need money or God needs money. It's just because a part of discipleship, a part of growing in trust and obedience to the Lord is based in your giving, not on what God needs. The last I read the Word of God, if He needs something, He creates it. So, not without need. So what's happening? Well, first, I want you to know, <clears throat> excuse me, that God did draw His people to give the first fruit, 10% of their first fruits. And He did this not out of need, but for obedience and trust. We live in society when we have two big troubles, two big problems in church world, as I call it. False prophets that nobody wants to call out. And secondly, having trouble turning loose of a dollar. Giving. Not only giving money, but giving time. Giving effort. Just being with people. It's like if I give this, I'm going to lose it. And yet, time and time again, we quote the promises of God and we say that we believe the Word of God, but somehow we figure the money we have in our pocket is ours. We made it. God had nothing to do with it. And if you give God something or if you help someone, (laughs) you're going to lose something. And that is so far from the truth of Scripture. Truth of Scripture is not about raising money. It's about raising a trust in the God that we say that we believe in. Oh, we'll fight somebody and say every word of God in the Bible is inspired. Well, inspiration to you, does that mean that it comes true? See, you can believe that it's God's word, but if you don't trust him that what he just said he's going to do, it doesn't do you any good to believe that it's the inspired word of God. You act on what your belief and your trust is. And I think this is what these three passages of Scripture have to do with. They're talking about trapped in a false religion and people not understanding. So I did some looking. I wondered what would God's response be to us? If you were to say to him, God, I'm just having trouble turning loose. You know, you do like Seinfeld. For those of you that watch that, Jerry's parents, his daddy had a tip calculator. And when he would calculate the tip, he would always round down instead of rounding up. And I think we round down in a lot of things. Now, that's, that's not the way either. Let's look at Second Kings chapter 4, verse 42 to 44. A man from Baal Shalisha, that's my pronunciation, bringing the man of God, Elisha, 20 loaves of barley bread, Baked from first, from first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain, give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. Let me put this in context. 
There was a school of the prophets. And Elisha was the head of the school of the prophets. And Elisha was trying to raise food uh, for the for the prophets to eat. And there were a hundred of them. Or actually, there's actually more than a hundred of them. And so when Elijah said, give it to everybody to eat, here's the response of the guy with the offering. How can I set this before a hundred men? He's, he's not saying there's a hundred men there. He's saying, looking at how many people are there, is how could I even put this to a hundred men? His servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. For this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Story after story after story. I could bring up, I'm not going to bring it up to read, but I could bring up Matthew chapter 14. That's the feeding of the 5,000 men. There were others there. There were women and children. And the only thing that they had was five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus told his disciples, sit them down and feed them fish sandwiches. Every one of them. And those disciples looked at what they had. And it didn't compute. But it did compute because when everybody was fed, everybody was satisfied. They had 12 baskets left over. You see, that's what the Lord said. That's the key. The Lord says, and in his word, other men may have written the pages, but it is the Lord saying, this is the truth of who I am. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> Throwing curveballs, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. Now, this is a law of God. Everybody believe the law of God? Raise your hand. There's some of you ought to <laughs> change your mind on what you believe, okay? The law of God. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, under or under compulsion. For God loves a hilarious, that's a Greek word, a hilarious giver. And God is also able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you notice how many alls are in there? And I looked all this up in the Greek, and I got Joe to help me with a little Hebrew if it was in Hebrew. All still means all. So in everything, you're going to have enough. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Old, old joke. Little boys went with his daddy who was a pastor to preach in another church. And as they were sitting there, the offering plate came by, and as they reached in, looked through all of this money and put a dollar in, 
They took the offering back. At the end of the service, the treasurer called the pastor up, looked in the offering plate, and handed him his dollar back. His dad got in the car very disappointed and pouting. This little boy looked at him and said, Well, Daddy, I guess if you had put more in, you would have got more out. Truth from a child. Let's look at Hebrews thirteen sixteen. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Notice the word sacrifices. See, the Bible doesn't just talk about giving. It talks about sacrificial giving. Let's wind this up. Most of you think, well, I was sent in today with instructions to talk about giving Tuesday. But I'd like for you to observe something, okay? The offering's already been given. (laughs) So I may have the cart before the horse if that was what the purpose of my message was. You see, this was put together weeks ago. Here's the purpose of my message. I want you guys to prosper and to be in good health even as your soul prospers. Because the greatest prosperity in the world is a soul that is nourished and is prospering in the presence and the word of God. That's a life that the devil absolutely can't touch. It doesn't matter what's thrown at that life. That life that truly believes in God has an obedience that's necessary. Obedience is absolutely. I don't care what this new culture says about having your child in time out. I still believe if necessary, knock them out. But get that kid to obey you so that in his life, when he's older, you don't go visit him in jail. Now, for you who are about to email me, I've never knocked out one of my children. Okay? Several of them have come real close, but I've never touched one in that way. Obedience is important. Do you know why we face a lot of problems in our life? Because of accountability. Do you realize that for everything God tells us, for every promise that's there, there is an accountability. So have you ever wondered when we go to prayer, whining to God about how we don't have something or how somebody has something we don't have, and I call it a wine and cheese prayer. Have you ever wondered if God's sitting up saying, Didn't you read what I said? Didn't you read what I say? Obedience. That's the purpose of this message. You see, you can't take a passage of Scripture. And if you took the passage about the widows at face Valley, everybody here would have to empty your pockets of everything you got before you leave the building in order for God to love you. But see, that's not what it's about. It's 
identifying false religion and what God thinks about them and how we should oppose them at every turn. And then secondly, it's to instill a trust in God. If I were to say the one thing that the American church is lacking is a trust in God. And I have been blessed to go all over the world. And it's amazing in sheer poverty, which we don't have in the United States. In sheer poverty, the joy of trusting in the Lord. The sustaining, how they give. I have eaten meals in homes where at first I wanted to cry. I didn't want to eat that food. Because I knew I was probably taking food out of one of their children's mouths or their mouth. But they sit it there. And I had a person tell me in south of India, Pastor, do not worry. We have fed many, many people. And when my wife goes to the cupboard, aha, there's something else to eat. That's not a prosperity promise. It is an example of trusting in the Lord God. And I want to tell you, Scripture will go further and cast doubt that if we can't trust God in the every day of our life, how can we trust Him for an eternity that we don't understand? This morning, the old song says it best, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you have opened hearts. Lord, may we be a trusting and obedient people. Lord, may we see every need as an opportunity to glorify you. Every opportunity, every need as an ability to build our trust in you. Because, Lord, you are, above all things, trustworthy and loving. So, Father, today, whether listening online or here, may we determine in our spirits and our heart to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.